Right, good morning, everyone. Glad to see everyone here this morning today. Um, my name is uh, Pastor Bert. I'm uh, the pastor of discipleship here. Uh, Mike and Maya went on a trip this week. They're back, but they uh, went to a conference. We're really excited that they got to do that, but we're even more excited that they're back. Um, but uh, because I'm going to be preaching today, I'm uh, really excited to continue on in the Sermon on the Mount. We're, getting, we're finishing uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. So we'll be in Matthew 7. Uh, today we're going to read 15 through 20, so if you want to turn there in your Bibles, please do. If you, if you don't have a Bible, there are some in the seats in front of you. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at all, we'd love for you to take one of those with you, and you can, and you can keep it. It'd be a, a gift to, to you. Um, but uh, Matthew 7, starting in verse 15, going through 20, um, the Word of God says this. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Let's pray. Father God, we uh, are people in great need. We're in great need um, to see. We are, we are blind people. Father, our sin, our sin blinds us. Um, the darkness of this world blinds us. Father, may, may your spirit open up our eyes. May your word um, open up our hearts and minds that we may see truth, that we may see the truth of the words of Jesus, uh, that we may um, understand and, and know and see the truth in, in comparison to the falseness of, of what the world offers, Father. Well, I pray as, as, as I preach and teach this morning that your words um, speak truth and, and that uh, you help me to teach uh, these truths, Father. We may be a people who beware of false teaching, a people who uh, rather see um, and seek after uh, good, good fruit, Father. Lord, I, I pray um, for this morning, for the, this time, Father, pray things in your name, Amen. So, uh, something that you will find that is different among uh, different people is is uh, this this kind of concept of danger awareness, right? Or this or this ability to know um, what is dangerous and what is not dangerous, right? Um, kind of a, an example from my own life. I remember being in college. And we went on a trip with a bunch of college students to Denver. And I'm a small town kid and hadn't really been to the big city before, not very often anyway. And so we went to Denver and we'd walk around. Uh, we were kind of there for, for a conference, but we'd um, go eat at places. And we'd walk around and there'd be um, guys and girls in the group. And of course, being this young college age guy, I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I need to walk with these women and protect them and, and all these different kind of things. So I'm, you know, looking and watching and, and all that kind of stuff. And anyway, I remember walking and uh, at one point we're at the, you know, where the, we got across the road and I'm, and I'm standing there and uh, just standing there, just kind of looking around and, and all that. And then all of a sudden I feel a tug on the back of my shirt and I get pulled back and I look, and it was actually one of, the, one of the girls that was with us. She pulled me back, and just right then, a bus, just woof, right in front of my face. Just a, just a bus. I had, I had no clue. I almost got taken out by that bus. Um, I was kind of looking out for these dangerous people that may be around while I was just about to be hit by a bus. Um, just my, my awareness, my 
ability to see the dangerous situation um, was not very was not very good. And actually, the woman who pulled me back is now my wife. Um, so uh, that uh, that that was a helpful sign there. So she's been doing that ever since. Um, but we, we see that, right? And, and uh, another example I want to give to you is, is my sons. So I, have a, I, have, I have two sons, Jack and Bo. And uh, Jack is obviously old, older than Bo, but they're also just very different. Uh, Jack is very careful. He's a very careful person. He's very observant, very aware of his surroundings. Um, he knows when something is hot and he knows you need to stay back. Um, he knows that there's fire. He knows uh, uh, water you need to stay back from because you could, you could fall into it, you know, if you're not ready to swim and all those different kinds of things. Bo is the complete opposite. Um, Bo runs into those things. First time I took Bo fishing, he had jumped in the pond twice in 10 minutes. Um, we ended up going home right after that because I didn't know that I could keep my son alive while doing fishing. So um, he is just that way. That's just the way he is. He is not super aware of the dangers that are around him. And I, and I bring this up because these last few sections of uh, this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, 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 is finishing it, and it is, it is filled with warnings. And it is warnings um, about dangers that surround you that you may not be able to see, and he wants you to be able to see them. And especially this passage here that I just read and that we're going to talk about today. Um, the first, the first uh, section we did last week and that was this warning of the path and the direction that you are going. And we learned that you are either uh, going through the narrow gate, the way of Jesus, or you're going somewhere else. And you're not going through Christ, and, and rather you're going into destruction. And all of these sections have that same concept of these two different types of people. Those that are trusting in Christ and seeking after him and are going to a way of eternal life. And those who are following another way and going another direction of, of falseness and going to destruction. And so we see that here. And so uh, Jesus wants to help us be able to see these things. And then the last one, it was very much the direction that you are going and, and what you are doing. And this one, it is very much a warning that there are also others beyond yourself who are going to try to pull you away from Christ, who are going to try to harm you. And so we're going to jump into that. And so the, the, the main command, the main call in this passage is right away, it's, it's right there, the main imperative, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. That is the first thing Jesus says. That's what he's talking about in this passage, is to beware of false prophets. And so I think it is helpful to start with this asking the question, what is a false prophet? And, 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 and answering that. And so um, sometimes it can be helpful to know the positive. So a, a, a prophet is someone who speaks for God, right? They speak truth. They make declarations for God. They speak in his name. They speak truth. So therefore a false prophet is someone who does not speak for God. Maybe they're trying to act like they are or they're trying to say that they are. They're saying, I speak for God. But they, but they actually do not. And in that, they're not speaking truth. They're speaking lies. And they're not trying to get you to worship and follow a God. They're uh, trying to get you to worship and follow another God, perhaps even themselves. That is what a false prophet is. Uh, I think it is helpful also to see that this, 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 this concept of false prophet in the New Testament is pretty much uh, almost always interchangeable with the, the concept of false teacher. And I think we can do that here also, um, that idea of, of being a false, a false teacher. Um, 
And I think the other thing that, that's really helpful when we ask this question of what is a false prophet is realizing Jesus is speaking to a group of people and he has been speaking these truths and he's been speaking these truths in the, on the Sermon of Mount that are very challenging. Uh, they're very challenging truths, but he is, he is, he is claiming great authority uh, in his words. He's claiming what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. He's claiming what it means to be a fulfill, fulfiller of the word. And so uh, in this ending, in this warning, I think what he's really warning against is those who are saying something, saying things that oppose what he's saying to us now. The things that he has say, said on the Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus, those who oppose the words of Jesus are those who are false teachers, who are false prophets. Um, and so I think the number, one, the number one definition of a false prophet is those who are against Christ. Those who are against um, his teaching, those who are against obeying him and those who are against the truth of who he is. In, in the New Testament, we see many passages um, fighting against false prophets because uh, it, like Jesus has this warning, he has this warning for a reason, because they come, because they exist, because they're here. And uh, I, have, I have some passages here uh, from mostly from first, I guess they're all from first and second John that kind of point to this concept of what is a, a false teacher or a false prophet. And first uh, John 2.22 says this, who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. A false teacher is one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is God. 2 John 9 says, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So again, if you, if, if, if you do not teach Christ, if you're not teaching Christ, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ um, that, is a, that is a sign, that is, that is a, a definition even of a false teacher. And First John 4, 2 and 3 says this, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard has, was coming and now is in the world already. And so again, we see here those that claim that Jesus is not the Christ and that he has not come such that he has not come from God, that is what is a false prophet. And now we will see here that I think it's obvious, right, that you don't want to listen to someone who's teaching lies, right? I think, I think we can all agree with that. That seems like an obvious command um, and an important one. Think some, something that we should do is to uh, stay away from someone who's a liar, and someone who says they're from God, but they're not. Someone who, thinks, who says that they're teaching of God, but they're not. I think that is something uh, is clearly we need to um, stay away from. But what Jesus is trying to clarify here, and we see it through uh, this next little thing that he says. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He's trying to have us understand the reason you need to be aware of them, the reason you have to have a good danger awareness is because they're hiding from you. They're hiding from you. They are not easy to see and they are deadly. They are not easy to see and they are deadly. They come to you in sheep's clothing, right? We see in scripture this often connection of the church as a flock, as the flock of God. Uh, we're gonna read a passage later that, that refers to the church as the flock, right, as sheep. And so Jesus uses this concept of in false teachers are like wolves, 
wolves who eat sheep, but they pretend to be like him. They dress up like him. What does that mean? And I think it's really helpful for us to understand what does that mean? That means that they can look like a Christian. And think about what's a Christian? A Christian is someone who's followed Christ. So they can look like someone who follows Christ. They can talk like someone who follows Christ. Uh, they um, know the words. They, they know what to do. Um, but underneath that wool, underneath that covering is a very, very hungry predator looking to devour and to destroy something that is very, very dangerous to the church. Uh, Jude 11 says this, I think to kind of give us a picture of what a, a false teacher looks like or what a false prophet looks like, what a wolf looks like. They're hungry, they're greedy. Um, Jude 11 says this again, Jude speaking against uh, false teachers, says this, says they have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed the prophet into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Um, and, and that's just a way to sum it up this way. Uh, they are prideful, they're greedy, and they're rebellious. Uh, they're, 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 they're hungry. This is, this is a, a, a person who on the top looks kind, looks generous, may even appear humble, but in truth, in their heart, wishes to devour and destroy. And thankfully, Jesus doesn't just tell us that they're out there, and he doesn't just tell us that, that, that they're hiding. He tells us how to see them. And that's obviously, again, really, really important, right? Because this concept of uh, not knowing that a danger is there is military tactics 101, right? That's the best way to win a battle is for your enemy to not know that you're there, correct, right? Like that's, uh, um, we take that all the way back to the Trojan War, right? You guys remember the story of the Trojan War, right? The Trojan horse, the Greeks acted like they had lost, so they sailed away and they left um, a big wooden horse and the Trojans saw that as a gift because, yay, we'd won, we'd beat it. There's no threat anymore. And they took the horse inside. Um, but what they didn't know was inside underneath uh, the covering of that, of that what appeared to be a gift was actually death. It was soldiers who came and killed them in their sleep and uh, destroyed everything. And that is how they lost the war. But Jesus says, even though they are hiding and even though um, they try to be sneaky, you, they actually can um, be seen, and they actually their their uh, motives and who they truly are can actually be observed. And this is where he switches his metaphor, and he's no longer talking about sheep and wolves, but he's talking about plants. Uh, he's talking about plants and fruit. He says here, he says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? Right, and these are these are. Um, questions that are really easy to answer, uh, right? Like um, thorn bushes, like an actual thorn bush does not make grapes. And thistles, big pointy, hurtful thistles um, do not create um, delicious yummy figs, right? Good fruit, and he says it in a couple different ways in here, good fruit does not come from bad plants, bad trees. And notice I, I, the word that he uses here to describe the bad trees is diseased, Right? And so we've moved from ravenous wolves to diseased trees, to diseased plants. That's how he chooses to describe these plants. They are diseased. And you can tell if a plant is good or bad by if its fruit is good or bad. 
And so I, what I want to do and spend a lot of time doing, because I think this is the, the main thrust of the warning of the message is Jesus, again, he's not just saying, look out, they're there. He's saying, there's a way to do it. There's a way you can see them and it's going to be by seeing their fruit. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about what those fruit are. So sometimes in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, fruit refers to um, what has come from your actions, meaning someone did something and then... Uh, what they did was, was fruitful, right? What they wanted to happen from their actions came and they, and they were fruitful. Uh, in the New Testament, often in this concept, it's the fruit is actually the actions themselves. The good fruit uh, is actually the, the good actions and the things that they do themselves. And I think that's, that's uh, important to look at. Um, another thing I, I do want to look at, if you turn to Galatians 5, uh, I think this is, is really helpful. This actually isn't where we're going to stay, uh, but you may at one point in your life have memorized or heard uh, the fruits of the Spirit, right? And I think, I think this is, is really helpful. Um, Paul in Galatians is again talking about false teachers and he's talking about how you can uh, see that there's this concept of like this fruit of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, so in, in chapter five, and it kind of starts in, in 16, uh, he says that, you will see them, but it'll be evident in their flesh by the, the way that they act, the things that they do, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, um, lots of different things in here, dissension, uh, enmity, strife, anger, in, in this list, right? These are the, these fleshly fruit. And then he goes and he says that there are a, there is a, a spiritual fruit, a fruit of the Spirit uh, in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Right, so in, in, in this passage, we, we see these fruit, and I think those are accurate. I think these are accurate fruit. I think they're really helpful. I think they're true. Um, and I think those are what um, true believers in Christ and those who are trusting in Christ look like. Um, but I, I want to do something that I think Jesus is doing here when we talk about what is, what is fruit. I think... Uh, what Jesus is talking about here, because he's closing up this sermon, because he's closing up this message, I think what he's really trying to point out is that good fruit is the obedience to the things that he has said. Good fruit is obedience to his word, right? And, uh, and so something I want to do that I think is really neat is I want you to go, so we've been in Matthew um, 5 up to now. This is the, the, the Sermon on the Mount starts in Matthew 5. I want us to just, just go to Matthew 5, and skim with me. We're going to skim kind of through what we've covered. And this is what good fruit is. This is, and, and, and not just um, these, but obeying, obeying these is what good fruit is. And so as we're skimming, we're starting, starting in chapter five. Um, good fruit is being like what the Beatitudes calls for. It's being poor in spirit. It's being meek. It's mourning. It's, it's, it's uh, hungering for righteousness. It's being merciful. It's being pure in heart. It's being peacemakers. It's um, being those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Good fruit is understanding that believers are salt of the earth um, and lights to the world, those who give glory to God, not to themselves. Good fruit as we continue on and move, and move forward, is knowing and living like Jesus came to fulfill the law. Not, not that he came to wipe out the law, but that he came to fulfill the law. Good fruit is not being angry or lustful or unfaithful or dishonest. It's knowing that every little sin is a sin against God. That's, that's, that's good fruit. Not, re, 
not retaliating against our enemies, but loving them and praying for them, that's good fruit. Not practicing our righteousness before others, but worshiping the Lord for his own glory and not our own glory, that's good fruit. Seeing Christ as our treasure and not the things of this world as a treasure, that is good fruit. And as we keep going, not worrying about our physical needs, knowing that God will take care of us, that is good fruit. Not being hypocritical judges, judging others hypocritically, that is good fruit. Faithfully praying to God, knowing that he is where we get our needs. That is good fruit. Treating others as we would want to be treated. That is good fruit. Good fruit is seeing, knowing, and obeying Jesus and his word. That is what good fruit is. And those are the signs of a false, of a, of, 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 of a true believer, of a true teacher Whereas the signs of a false teacher are the, are the opposite of those things, right? It's those who are strong in spirit, those who are not meek, those who are in for their own glory, those who retaliate against their enemies, um, those who do not, pr- who practice, those who practice their righteousness before others for their own glory and not for the glory of God. Those who do hypocritically judge others, those are the bad fruit. Those are what the wolves look like. And something I, I want to do to be a little helpful here um, in knowing how to, how, how, do, how do we do this? Because a question you may have is, is that this is, this is a lot of heavy stuff. This is a lot of heavy truths. And uh, you may look at that list and be like, I'm not always all of those all the time, right? That may be a concern that you have. Um, and I think it's a legitimate thought. And so something I would like to do is I would like to spend a little bit of time in Acts 20, if you guys would turn with me to Acts 20. Um, Paul in Acts 20 is in a situation that is uh, really comparative to what Jesus is talking about. Um, he uses a lot of the same language that Jesus uses, such as, as, as wolves and sheep. And uh, I think from this passage, we can pull some things. So I think there's some questions here. I think we have some questions of how, how, how do I avoid being this person? Um, but also, of course, like how do we avoid these people? And that's where, really where Paul goes. How do we do it as a church? Who, who uh, decides how we do it? Who runs this? Um, and, and I think this, this passage in Acts will help give us some application for that. And so I'm going to read Acts 20, 17 through 21, and then I'm going to skip down a little bit and read 26 to 32. I know it's a lot, but I think it's really helpful. And uh, after I read, I'm just going to give some, some quick, some quick uh, helpers from that. So Acts 20, 17 through 21, then I'm going to skip down and do 26 to 32. Now for Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. 
Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified." And so really quickly, I, I want us to gain some help from this because Jesus is, 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 is warning, he's warning the flock. I think he's warning all his believers and I think he's warning local churches like our own. And so how do we as a local church uh, have awareness to this, to this danger and how, do, and, how do we, and how do we deal with it? And so I have, first I have five observations from Paul himself from this passage, just things that he does. And then I have three focuses that I think a church needs, needs to do, needs to have. Uh, that we see here. And so the, f- the five observations from Paul is first of all, humility. You have to have humility in this, right? And, and we see that in Paul, um, humbly teaching, humbly seeing truth, but, but also um, seeing it and teaching it. Uh, the second is proclaiming the gospel of repentance, proclaiming the gospel of faith in Jesus Christ from the pulpit in public and one-to-one in each other's houses. Um, that, that, that's something we see, we see in Paul, that, that, that's, that's how we prepare um, and that's how we, how we fight against this. Third one is teaching the whole counsel of God. Um, all, of, all of the scriptures, right? It says, I taught you the whole counsel of God. We teach all the scriptures. We teach everything and then we teach all about the character of God and all of the things we've done. We do not skip the things we do not like, um, but, 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 but we teach all of it. Um, the fourth, and I think this is really important and helpful for the church, uh, having elders, overseers who pay careful attention to themselves and the flock. I think that's something very important. I think this passage that we're studying in Matthew um, is important for all believers, but should be especially um, noticed by elders, by leaders in the church. Because um, we are called specifically to pay careful to, attention to ourselves, to our own doctrine, to what we're teaching, to what we're thinking, to, to what we're eating, Right? to, to what, what uh, we are taking. Are we, are we reading in God's word? Or are we taking it in from somewhere else? But also to our own flock. And, and I think this is a call to leaders of the church to do that. And I think it's a call um, to members and people of the church to realize when you're electing elders, when you're dealing with elders, when you have elders, that's their role is to oversee and to protect and to do that, and to do that well. Uh, a fifth one is that wolves do come. And when they come, they often come from among us. And when they come, they do not spare the flock and they create division. Um, the, the, these, these we see from Paul. And so I, I have three focuses that he says here at the end uh, that I think help, help, us, help us to do this. How do we fight against false teaching? How do we, how do we, how do we um, fight against uh, this very damaging, dangerous, uh, life-ending um, lies that come? Uh, the first is to be alert, right? That's what he says. He says, be alert, be aware, think about what you're being taught. Think about what you're reading. And, and something I want to think about is this isn't just something that can happen in the church. Um, we are in a world where we get information from everywhere, everywhere, and uh, being careful of, of what we are watching and listening to on podcasts and, and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all these things. 
and, uh, and, and, and realizing, again, sheep's clothing, guys, sheep's clothing. Like it may seem really good. It may seem really kind and humble, but is, is it of Christ? Is it of Christ? Does it point to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? Does it point to Jesus as the way, or does it point to something else? Um, be, be alert. I also think we say to, to uh, admonish, that is to warn one another. I love because he says, he says, with tears, right? He said, with tears, I admonish you. I think that, that tells us with great love and care. With great love and care, we warn each other right? When, when, when someone is starting to say something or maybe talk about something, that's like, oh man, that really sounds dangerous. We lovingly and carefully warn them about it and talk to them about it um, with, 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 with tears because we love them. Not because, not because um, man, we're just really passionate against that specific doctrine or we just love proving those kind of people wrong, but because we truly care for the flock. We truly care for the sheep and so we admonish, we warn them with true love, with tears in our eyes, um, wanting them to see truth. And then the final one, I love it, he says, be commended to God, being commended to God and to his word, which builds us up and gives us our inheritance. Right? I, love, I love that. Like, so being committed, being committed to God, being committed to worship, to worship together, and being committed to his word through reading it individually and personally, and also through preaching it and teaching it and listening to it and singing it. Um, in our churches. Those, those, those I think are big for us. This is how um, we can be, beware the wolves, beware the false prophets, beware the bad fruit. And so I, I, hope, I hope that is helpful. I, I hope that that helps you there. Um, but there is, there's one more thing um, that, that Jesus uh, says in this. And, and uh, I think it is the correct place to, to end because I think it has the right attitude of what Jesus is trying to get across um, and it is this, it is verse, verse 19. He has, this says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You see, this is not just a warning. This is not just a warning to sheep to beware of wolves. This is also a warning to wolves to beware of the shepherd. This is a promise. And this isn't the first time we see it. John the Baptist said verbatim this exact thing to the Pharisees. Verbatim, he said those exact words. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. If this is you, if you are someone that can talk the talk, and knows all the things, but you are not actually rooted in Christ and you are not actually pointing others to Christ and you are not actually knowing, and we're gonna get into this next week, knowing Jesus, actually know Jesus, this is a warning to you. This is a warning to you. um, Because someday, someday, will come a time when all those who are against the people of God, who have harmed the flock of God, who are false teachers, who are false prophets, who are harming, who are creating division in churches, will answer to Christ. And I want to read something to you that shows what that's going to look like. It says, this is Revelation 19. Revelation 19, turn to Revelation 19, 11 through 16. 
It says, then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name, sorry, I lost my spot. Sorry, I lost it. I was misprinted on here. And sorry, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Those of us who are trusting in Christ, those of us who know Christ, look to that day with great joy, with great happiness, knowing that Christ is coming and he's coming to finally and completely save us from this world. But that is also a warning that on that day, those who have harmed the flock of Christ, those who are against him, those who have teached falsely against Christ, against God, will have no mercy. He will come and he will take no quarter. He will offer, um, he will offer no quarter. There'll be no mercy on that day. So my, my last call to you is to take mercy now. You see, Christ came as a sheep, as a lamb, and he let himself be destroyed by wolves. But he rose. He rose from the dead and he offers a gift. He offers a gift of repentance, a gift to trust in him, a gift to believe in him as our, as our savior, a gift to not live for ourselves, but to now live for him. Uh, and, and, and in that, he gives us the gift, the ability of the Holy Spirit, the ability to live for him, the ability to bear good fruit, to no longer be a tree that is sick and diseased, to be a healthy living tree powered by him, powered by his spirit, powered by his word. And so even if you're, question, if you're, if, if, if you're wondering, if you're fearing, am I there? Am I someone that is creating division? Am I someone that is pulling people away from Christ? There is repentance. There is mercy now. And so the call is to take it, to take that mercy, to receive it from Christ today and be a part of a flock, a flock that has a shepherd that not only died, but a shepherd that allows us and empowers us to bear these good fruit. The Sermon on the Mount is a long list, but a beautiful one and beautiful truth that we are able to live out by the power of Christ. And so this is a warning, this is a call to beware of what is around us, to beware, aware of what what we are being taught and does it point to Christ? Does it point to Jesus? Does it point to the gospel? And also, how are you a part of that? Are you teaching Christ? Are you teaching the gospel to to your children? 
to your friends, to uh, the people in, in, in your classroom, in, in your workplace, or are you in some way pointing them away from Christ? If so, I, 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 I warn you, I call on you to trust in Christ today. And as a believer, continue to seek after him and his word, continue to be changed by the whole counsel of God. Um, be believers, be, be trusters in, in, in his word and the things he has taught and said. Let me pray. Father God, uh, we are in deep need of you. Father, we are, we are uh, lost people in a lost land, but Father, you uh, sent Christ as a gift, as a mercy, as a grace to us to save us. Uh, Father, all who believe and trust in you, Father, and I, and I pray that that's where we are, Father, and I pray that we are a church that is not... <laughs> that is not being divided and pulled apart by wolves, Father, but is rather resting in your word and is um, teaching and pointing to you, not to ourselves. Father, may we do that as individuals in our households and our own lives, Lord, as a church. May um, our elders lead and oversee well. May we um, bear good fruit as a church father, may, may, may it be obvious by the fruit that we bear, by the things that we do, by our obedience to the word of God, by the obedience to the words of Christ, that we are yours and that we not be sick, but that we be healthy and that we be loving and that we be caring to the world before us, Father. Uh, we, we pray for this. We ask this knowing that it comes only from your power, Lord. We pray things in your name. Amen. Um, this morning, uh, uh, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. Before that, uh, Brandon Horst is going to come and share his testimony with us.